You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Mackie and Judd, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kenny. Good <laughs> yeah. morning. What a weekend, right? Alrighty then. Uh, we went from having like a million different exciting things to winning teams, playoffs, twins, you know, eight and five, and now we're left with our tears. That was fun. 2016 was great, right? 2017 oh, no, 17 was, okay, was great. Yeah, yeah, this is 2016. was mostly a disaster. No, yeah. this is 2018, this is- Judd. It's 2016 again, repeating itself. Math is hard for Judd. That's why I did. Are you still all drunk from Saturday night at Bunny's? I was at the the soccer game. They won. United won. That's they what did. we should talk about. Yeah, we'll leave with that. And the pitch and a line shot to left, and he pulled that ball with a vengeance. It goes toward the warning track. A run is in. They'll have to hold Scooter Jeanette, but a first pitch ringing double to left field by Suarez, and the Reds have taken a one nothing lead. Hammered high. Deep to left field. Goodbye. Home run, Adam Duvall. And boy, did that thing get out of here. And I mean right now. 8-1 ball game. We talk about him being young a lot. And he's going to go through some of those starts where it's not going to be there. And and today was one of those days where he had a tough time. Wheel of Dysfunction. <laughs> Let's just start the show with it. All right, should we spin it? You spin it. Go right, ahead. Hold on, you hold on, hold on. All right. All right, there we go. Okay. In that wheel, and around it goes. Where it stops, nobody oh. knows. Oh, look at this one. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. Rispy business. Ooh. Wow. Oh. Rispy business, huh? As I said, fun with statistics today with Judd. I've been crunching numbers since I got in here. And yes, they're all inept. <laughs> Rispy and business. So are we, which is a good marriage. <laughs> Rispy business. The Twins have lost 9 of 10, beginning with a series where they were swept by the Rays. During that time, your Minnesota Twins are 17 for 88 with runners in scoring position. That's a 193 average, and it actually gets worse than that. Wow. In the three-game series... You're not going to drive in a lot of runs hitting. What was it, 193? 193. 17 hits in 88 at-bats over a 10-game time period, which includes one win. Alrighty then. Against the putrid awful trying to rebuild, but they've already fired their manager, Cincinnati Reds, in three games this past weekend at Target Field, where it was gorgeous on Sunday, I'm told, by Fox Sports North. The C- Is that one of the three things in the like the teaser or, for the postgame as it's 8-2? to two? <laughs> Three things we'll cover in the beautiful postgame. Day beautiful park. day at ballpark. <laughs> That's what it was. I'm sure, like, oh, Jason Castro's <laughs> resurgence, he had two hits yes, yesterday. Yes, and beautiful day at ballpark. Well, in those three games, which included a four-hour just Death March on Friday. The Minnesota Twins, 6 of 34 against the Reds. That is a 176 batting average with runners in scoring position. There is your risky business. Well, this was supposed to be your get well series, right? All right, hey, the Yankees thing, whatever. Like, that's just a... All right, the, the Rays series could be justified by, listen, like... We barely played in a week and a half. We were in Puerto Rico. First of all, didn't play for like five days. And then we're in Puerto Rico. And you just haven't gotten the bats going yet. All right, whatever. Like, we'll throw that race series away. 
Then the Yankees come along. Well, it's the Yankees. The Twins are like they never thirty and there. ninety against the Yankees. They can't okay, win in New York. Yeah. What's the excuse for losing two out of three in that fashion? Getting beat twice in blowout fashion by that team. I mean, I put the Twins on timeout. By the way, I'm no longer watching full Twins games right now. I'm the Twins and I. Really? The, the, yes. In fact, let's keep All spinning right. this wheel. Go here. ahead. Let me you spin this, this time. Spin that wheel and around it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Oh, oh this this is a familiar one. Oh yeah, I like this one. Miguel, oh no. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the big hulking third baseman here, shall we? Mm-hmm. So it's another hamstring injury. Isn't the hamstring thing the one, was it two years ago or last year, was the hamstring thing that knocked him out for like two months? It was That was the one uh, two years ago, at least, when they were playing in Oakland. Oh, o- last year was the in, foul ball in off Oakland. the shin thing. All right. Yep. All right. Uh, so other than, now that he's hurt again, and, and you know, hey, I know that Miguel Sano apologists are going to say, hey, so, you know, bad luck. Players get hurt. Hamstrings happen. You know, guy fouls the ball off his leg. You know, it happens. It's just, it's just bad luck. And there, and there is a degree of bad luck when it comes to injuries. But don't you think, like, if you were taking your profession 100% seriously and you didn't weigh 60 pounds more than the average third baseman, that maybe you wouldn't have issues with popping your hamstring every time you accelerated to full speed the last couple well, yeah, years? Absolutely, right? yes. So answer me this. Other than the ability to hit a baseball far, what does Miguel Sano offer? Because he's subpar defensively at third. Well, he falls down sometimes at third. That uh, that was an interesting one a few days ago. He's constantly hurt, in part because he's out of shape. He doesn't hit for average. He doesn't really hit for or, or, or reach base enough to be an elite on-base guy. So other than the ability to hit a baseball far when he's actually on the field and healthy, am I missing something? He turns 25 years old in about a week and a half. What's the deal with this guy? Uh, well, first of all, if if he had an, any value to be moved at some point in time, it's drying up very quickly because the, the fact that he takes his profession as a joke is going to be widespread known throughout baseball soon, if it's not already. Uh, this is, I would say this, there are some very interesting discussions in this market about young athletes who clearly don't get it. And, and you look at them and you say, you're wasting your talent. I think Miguel Sano might be atop that list and might be the saddest right now. This guy doesn't care. Wiggins, you'd like to see him do things differently. And he seems very laid back when it comes to life. And there are very frustrating things about him. But I don't know that I can say he doesn't care. I, I, I don't. I can't jump in his mind. He's not all in. I can't jump. He's not all in. I can't jump in his head, though, and say that I'm positive he just doesn't give a damn. Miguel Sano, as far as I can tell, does not care. He he thinks this is all sort of a fun, fun little exercise. And he should do do more of that obviously but he thinks that this is just a fun you should find some fun ways to he exercise. thinks this is just a fun thing that he plays a game where he can hit a baseball a long long way but you know what he essentially he told us two years back now when when they tried to move him to right field and he cashed it in he didn't even give he didn't try at all he told us my mentality is going to be if i don't care I'm going to do nothing about it. So he goes up to approximately 300 pounds now, and he doesn't care. And he gets hurt, and I don't think he cares. I don't think that there's any level of dedication, commitment, or want to. Yeah. He is diet Adam Dunn in every sense of the word except, like, diet in terms of food. I mean, he's Adam Dunn light. 
He has the same I looked this up before the show. He has the same career OPS as Adam Dunn within like a couple points. The same slugging percentage as Adam Dunn. The same OPS plus. The difference is, even though Adam Dunn was very limited in what he could do, he would hit home runs and mostly just like stand at a defensive position. And, you know, okay, there's some value there in that. Like you want a guy who can hit bombs. But Adam Dunn played 150 games 10 times in his career. So he was on the field and available on a regular basis enough to hit 40 bombs more often than not. So, like, the Twins just have... They've got a power hitter who's not available. The guy's missed a total of 80-plus games going into this season the last two years. And now how long is... Is, is he expected to be back? It's a hamstring, so well, they he's said, not going to play third base He might be back on Sunday, and then he still, he, it's, he still felt it sort of tweaked on Sunday. He'll be so on the disabled. This is going to be two weeks. It's going to be two weeks, and guess what? If he comes back quickly... He's going to, to get hurt immediately again. This this is really pathetic and sad, though, because there's so much potentially here, and the player himself does not care about that. Ding, ding. Very excited about uh, this year's draft class, especially today. Thought we added a lot of talent to this roster, a lot of guys that are going to come in and compete. Um, theme was, again, sticking with the athletic traits that we're looking for, and... Uh, relying on these, this coaching staff to, to develop a lot of this young talent because a lot of the traits that they have, you can't teach, you can't coach, uh, but you can sure develop them. We had a lot of needs. I think we wanted to go out and just sign the best football players we can and create as much competition at each position as we can create. And I think the more quality you have at the positions, um, the more competition you can create at each position, uh, it brings guys up another notch, and uh, we're very excited not only with what we're able to accomplish in free agency, uh, but also the addition of this draft. All right, so the Vikings uh, drafted several Hall of Famers this weekend. Well, clearly, yes. So based on our discussions, and I didn't hear sports talk this weekend with uh, with you and Collar and, and Courtney Cronin, but you guys are down on the Vikings draft, it sounds like. Well, we were only through, they, they had, had only gotten uh, through the first pick of the third round, and and Matthew and Courtney, I think, questioned it a little bit more than I did, but here's what the one thing I don't get. I thought when our show got done on Friday, I thought the one thing that they would probably do would, would be to take the assets that they had, even if it meant dipping into the 2019 draft and get up to get a guard, I really wanted them to get a right guard. It's a position of of, of need for immediately. It's not a position of need for 2020. And there was a group of right guards or guards that still existed at that point that got taken quickly. And the Vikings took a what a sense to uh, what amounts to a project tackle out of pit uh, in the second round on Friday. So my only, I I am of the firm belief that I do not know nearly enough about any of these players to look at an entire draft class and yeah. say good or bad. The one thing that really surprised me and that I didn't like was that they didn't get up and take more of a sure thing at guard because now you've created a competition that might not work out that well. And if it doesn't, we've seen what happens when you think that you can get by at the, at those spots on the line two years ago. So my gripe was and and remains. I really wanted them to get more of a sure thing at right guard. So and I yeah, and I think that's the biggest question, right? Is who? What does the right side of their offensive line look like? This this Brian O'Neill from Pitt sounds like he's not going to be ready for week one starting duties at tackle. I mean, ideally they would say, well, Brian O'Neill is the starting right tackle, and Remmers. Mike Remmers moves to guard. So I'm with you. I think 
the assertion, though, that like, this is where they're in a tough spot. The Mike Hughes picked, the Mike Hughes pick in the first round sort of sealed their offensive line fate in a way. Like they knew that offensive linemen were starting to come off the board. They knew by the time they got to the second round, if they hadn't picked an offensive lineman late in the first round, they knew that Will Hernandez was going to go early in the second round. They knew that like two or three guys that were going to be there late first round, early second round. So if, if you, two things, Mike Hughes has to be really good, right? Like Mike Hughes was much more of a luxury pick than offensive line. Offensive line was the bigger need. But they identified Mike Hughes as being the better player. And Mike Zimmer loves cornerbacks, and it's really important to their defensive success. But if the other option was trading up in the second round for a guard, I would hesitate. If you look, like whether it's the Vikings or other teams, what percentage of the time does your second round pick pan out to be a five-plus year starter? Like a guy, a guy worth, in retrospect, trading up for. That's a, It's like your second round pick's are a gamble in general, trading up makes them even more of a gamble because now you're giving up picks behind you to move up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just took like the last 10 years of Vikings second round picks and there's been a lot of years where they didn't even have one because they traded out. I mean, some years you get a Sidney Rice or a Phil Lodeholt. Um, Phil Lodeholt probably worth trading up for in retrospect. Sidney Rice, no, with injury issues. Brett Favre made him. Uh, one year they got Toby Gerhardt and Chris Cook in the second round. Two guys that you absolutely would not have traded up for in retrospect. Uh, but then there's other years where, like, Dalvin Cook, would you have traded up for him in retrospect? Yes, of course you, because he, he looks like Which he's going to be a correct. great player. And, get and, that pick. and I'm saying, like, the caliber player you're yes. going to get in the second round am, is very coin flippish. So if you're trading right. up and flipping a coin, that's double the risk. But there was, a hand, there was a handful of guards who I think you could have probably plugged in and played and been fine with immediately. But that's a coin and flip. Given, right, but given where, where this team is at and knowing... Knowing the need there and knowing that this team is not just supposed to be a good team, it's supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team, that's a that's a coin flip that opportunity or chance that I, I would have taken in this case. And I would have said, if I need to give you something from the 2019 draft, I'm willing to do so based on the fact that I would like at least what I deemed to be more of a sure thing at that spot. And I think if, and I'm just like, I'm not going to die on this hill, but if I'm Rick Spielman, I'm thinking back to the last 10 to 12 years and what the second round picks are like. And I know I don't think he drafted Ryan Cook, but let's say you trade up because interior offensive line is a huge need and you trade up to get the next Ryan Cook and it's a disaster, which Tyler O'Neill or, or Brian O'Neill could be a disaster. So you trade up for kind of a coin flippy player in the second round and you give up your fifth round pick to do so. Are you giving up Stefan Diggs to trade up for Ryan Cook? That's a chance I take. So that's yeah, that's why and Ryan don't. and Ryan Cook, sir, was drafted by the infamous Fran Foley. That's right, because he knows New Mexico oh, State football. Six. Oh yeah. my gosh, I know New Mexico State football. <laughs> Is that was that the quote? Yes, because we're all like, what? Who? What are you doing? He was brought in to I sabotage know, the Vikings. I know New Mexico State football. <laughs> he called it. He actually in his uh, press conference <laughs> that year, his Spielman-like presser to set up the draft. Right, talk about the draft. He did not call it the draft. He called it the player procurement process. Wow. That was Fran Foley. I want to talk wow. about the player procurement process. We're like, what did you just say? P3. Yes. He was a beaut. The player procurement process. Oh, and then there. Oh, there's a, so many Fran Foley things in such a short time. Uh, Lindsay Whalen's going to join the show for her Monday uh, hangout with us in about 15 or 20 minutes or so. We have more great moments in NFL draft grade history. Saw the grade that the Vikings got from Mel Kuyper. 
Oh, we can come back with that too. That's out. Yes, I, I've not seen that very yet. Excited. I'm very, I'm very excited to see what yeah. Mel Dane the Vikings have gotten. Uh, rumor has it that the Judbot 3000 has some takes on the weekend's happenings too. Apparently, Judbot was on the phone. Dave couldn't get Judbot off I'm the phone. Concerned about Judbot. I haven't heard from him myself in ages. <laughs> Quite frankly, I am now too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, controversial. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. Hammered high, deep to left field. Goodbye. Home run, Adam Duvall. And boy, did that thing get out of here. And I mean right now. 8-1 ball game. You know, I was telling you this during the break. Maybe Miguel Sano sitting out a couple days with a hammy or two weeks, whatever it's going to be. Maybe he's got his eye on that major league strikeout record. Doesn't want to go near it. Take a couple days off here and there. Oh, little hamstring. Pull up lame on a know, Friday night you know, against sure. the Reds and then miss that series. Because if you play 155 games and you strike out in 40-plus percent of your oh, plate yeah. appearances, you're going to break that thing in August. So you got to slow it down. So you think he's actually he's actually sat down and thought, I need a strategy here. I, I gotta, hey, I'm out of shape. i got a twinge back here. I'm in terrible shape. <laughs> I'm playing third base. I don't actually know why. You know what? My hammy hurts like hell. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Our pets' heads are falling off. So we went from the night that the Wolves beat the Nuggets to get into the playoffs. And at that point, I believe the Wild were still... The Wild had maybe lost game one or something, but like they were still in the middle of a series, and they came back to win game three. And the Twins were eight and five and had maybe just taken over the division lead. And here we sit. The people are kind of buzz-killed about Like the Vikings didn't fix their offensive line problem, really. And both winter sports teams exited very quickly from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And now the Twins are sitting a handful of games below 500. Irvin Santana is nowhere to be found. Miguel Sano is on the shelf. Byron Buxton's on the shelf with a partially broken foot. Barrios looked awful again. Barrios got destroyed, which I'm going to take the blame for jinxing that a couple weeks ago. Crowning him one of baseball's 15 aces. I think we can all just... Let's we'll take him off that you're shelf. Gonna, just, you're going to we'll knock just, him down that chart we'll a little just bit? reach up on that shelf and he take him off there. He is one of 30 baseball. I don't know what he is right now. Yeah. The last two starts have been rough. Uh, Dave got a call from Judbot3000. What was what was your conversation like with Judbot? It was short on my end. He didn't really let me speak much. Let's. I mean, to, to condense it down, he's not happy. Hmm. I'm worried about him. Really? Yeah, I th- he thought things would be better once we got to the end of April. You know, now staring at early May, and it certainly doesn't seem that's the case. That's it. I'm done. I can't take it anymore. I sat through 82 games of a wild regular season and five garbage playoff <laughs> games, hoping, praying, and believing that things would be better once we got to baseball season. And now I get stuck with the absolute garbage the Twins have given us. You bums just lost a home series to the Reds. One of the worst teams I have ever seen, yet this weekend they were better than you. I don't know what I am going to do if these puking pigs don't start to turn it around in a hurry. And don't get me started on the Vikings draft. You just paid Kirk Cousins a billion dollars to be your quarterback. God forbid you find someone to block and keep him upright for 16 games. Honest to God, am I the only one with half a brain around here? I can't disagree with Judd Bott on no. most of that, actually. He's of course you can't. All Judd of Bott's it. speaking for you. All of it. I'm a little bit surprised. He's a slightly more pessimistic than I am. So the only thing that surprised me a little bit is that he actually thought that this would that this would take a, a solid turn. Because 
anyone who's watched the sports scene here for quite some time knows that every time that we become confident that things are going to turn in in a positive way, knows that something odd and unfortunate takes place. But besides that, he's right on it. I don't think Judbot was confident. I think hopeful is the right word. No, he said he was praying, hoping, yeah, and believing. I, I think he'd been convinced that this Twins team could do something. And uh, He's yeah. right about the quarterback. You did pay the quarterback a lot to say, hey, there's a guard competition in front of you, kid. Good luck, Kirk. You know what? We Don't did, get hurt. We did have some good news come out of this weekend, we mostly did? on the Twins front. I don't know if you guys saw this news. So we've been making fun of Joe Maurer for like almost a decade due to his mysterious leg injuries or whatever it was from 2011. Wilson Ramos left a game early this weekend. Former Twins catcher, by the way. Yes. Current Rays catcher. With what the team has described as bilateral leg tightness. This is not a joke. He left a game this weekend with bilateral leg tightness. So we have now a second documented case of bilateral leg something. Maybe it all stems from, maybe it's something that's like a, it's a slow developing condition for former twins catchers. If both his legs are tight, does that mean he can't get out of his squat? They, they just rolled, He's just stuck they there? They just rolled him back to the dugout. <laughs> when, was up, this, coach. When, when was this made official? Um, I believe Saturday okay. is, is when it happened. Yeah, MLB.com has a full All story right. on it, but it was. Uh, wow. I, I saw it come across Twitter, and the team described it as bilateral leg tightness for Wilson Ramos. You don't think that the Rays, if and th- this goes back a long time, but if I remember correctly, the night it was a Friday night or something when when the Twins came out and said that 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 was uh, Maurer's ailment. I believe they were in Tampa. They were in Tampa. Yes. So, do you suppose the Rays, the Rays, found an old press release or something that the Twins? Uh, what should we call left it? Uh, wait a second. Let's just call it this. It sounds know. good. It's something mysterious. What it should just we call sounds it? Sounds good. Bilateral. <laughs> Use it. Throw it out there. Um, all right. I've got in front of me here. Well, two things. Number one, Mel Kiper Jr. has given the Vikings a B plus on their draft over the weekend. All right. So he's not quite as concerned about whatever, like lack of immediacy with not drafting a guard. Uh, He likes Mike Hughes, who he pegged as a late first-round talent, and the Vikings nailed it. But I would contest giving out draft grades the day after the draft is over without evaluating any of the actual players is one of the most absurd things you can do in sports media. Uh, But it's great fun to go back and mock in about three years. Well, so let's hear it. That brings us to great moments in draft grade history. Let's go back to 2012, Judd Zilgad, the Seattle Seahawks, where NFL.com graded their draft, meh, a C plus, and SI.com gave it a C, and shredded Seattle for passing on edge rusher Melvin Ingram in the first round. They were apoplectic on SI.com that the Seahawks would pass on Melvin Ingram, quote, all right, This is how Ingram made it to San Diego. The Seahawks went bonkers and picked Bruce Irvin at 15. Could he develop into a solid pass rusher? Sure. But this was a spit-take-inducing selection. And quarterback Russell Wilson in the third round has a bright future, even if Seattle didn't really need him. 
Uh, let's go back and check the tape. Bruce Irvin was a rock-solid four-year starter with a Super Bowl <laughs> ring and with the Seahawks, and then he went to Oakland after that. Yep. 70 career combined sacks, interceptions, pass defenses, and forced fumbles or recoveries in his NFL career to this point. All right. Uh, uh, NFL.com, I should add, wrote this. Well, they found a reliable reserve quarterback in Russell Wilson, I guess. They also drafted Bobby Wagner in the second round of the 2012 draft. What were Three th- players what were they thinking with who that? carried them to a Super Bowl championship just a couple years later. Great moments in NFL draft grade history. This is why they're fantastic, to go back <laughs> way after the fact and look at how stupid they look. I mean, oh, man. Well, I mean, the Seahawks, though, they, they signed Matt Flynn. You didn't need Russell Wilson. I love that. Like, yeah, well, because Flynn. they signed a quarterback for a lot of money, then they don't need this other thing. You gave him that big contract. Yeah. Why the heck would, would you take a quarterback in the third round that year? Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's it's hashtag content, I, right? You're you're just trying to get. I believe if you go back, and I think it was FoxSports.com at the time, back when, when they actually wrote, uh, I believe they praised the Vikings 2005 draft. Just said it was a great, unbelievable and draft. And that would have been Erasmus Troy Williamson, James. Erasmus James. That draft, uh, I think Marcus Johnson, the big old lineman, went in the second round of that draft. I believe that by 2008, that draft was gone. Like all of that them. That draft class away. was gone. Man. And FoxSports.com just said it was a fantastic draft. So, like, what you're, so you're by already. But the mock process is already like a risky thing because, a lot, like, let's face it, of the 32 players drafted in the first round, you know, maybe 75% become like actual viable starters, and then maybe only a small percentage become perennial pro bowlers. But to then double down on the uncertainty of those evaluations by then like giving a team a yay or a nay or an A or a D. Oh, try, they need a wide receiver and they need a pass rusher. So, like, that's an A. Yes. Well, <laughs> what if the guy can't catch? What if the pass or rusher rush, really isn't that interested in getting the, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just a small <laughs> thing, okay? When did they draft Kenechi Udeza? Was it the year before? I was to the year before, yes. I think that was right. in 2004. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we have plenty more where that came from, by the way. We have we I have at least a couple more great moments in NFL draft grade history to sprinkle in. Russell Wilson, show. what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, he's a good quarterback, even if they don't really need him. No, clearly. Matt Flynn would have helped them win that Super Bowl a couple years later. All right, let's talk to our friend Lindsey Whalen. We had a, we had a Game 7 yesterday. We had a couple Game 7s back-to-back, but we had Cyborg LeBron yesterday. Uh, Lindsey Whalen is back in training camp for one of her two full-time jobs. <laughs> With the links. I'm sure she was sit- sitting down watching hoops all day. Man. On Sunday uh, with training camp starting. 651-646-8255 for later in the show, too, if you want to chime in on Vikings draft. Not this next segment, but have the number nearby if you want to chime in. And maybe you want to give the Vikings draft a grade. Oh, we take it. We'll play some give NFL Films music behind you, and you can do your best Mel Kuyper impression. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. The thing that you can't overlook is how good they are. Mackey and Judd. They've been at the forefront. On 1500 ESPN. All right, welcome back. Mackey and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Later on, we'll get Wetmore in here. Wetmore already has a shovel and is ready to bury the twin season. I know he is. what you guys were talking about. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a bad start, and they've already had some... Some series that they should be winning and you know gaining ground in, and they're not. But we'll get to that later in the show. More on Vikings draft. Lindsey Whalen, if my math is right, you are opening up. Is it your 15th WNBA training camp right now? Yes, number 15 wow. was yesterday. And so, um, yeah, it goes, it goes fast, right? It's crazy. Um, 
Yeah, number 15. So it was a good first day and um, back for tape day two. So that's uh, that's already a good time. Yeah, I feel like the, the Lynx have a very San Antonio Spurs-like dynasty slash where it's like you have this every other year stretch and then even when you're not winning championships you're getting you know toward the end when when this run of of current links greatness and whenever it is for you what what do you want people to say about this links team and this links run and then you also as a professional i think just our uh, you know you touched on just our consistency and that's one of the hardest things to do is to be consistent and good year after year because Every year prevents, I mean, provides different challenges, and um, teams are trying to keep you from, you know, getting back to the finals. And so there's just different challenges. There's different, um, you know, injuries and things like that that um, that you can't really control. But we're able to still find a way to get it done. And so I think just that, and that we were, um, I don't know, a fun group to watch. Good people, um, good teammates, good in the community, and just all around. Um, have tried to represent our state in the best way possible. And so I think that that would be pretty cool if people just thought that we were, um, you know, just good people first and, and we happened to, you know, play a really fun sport and, and do it really, uh, really at uh, a high level together. What does this uh, core group try and get across to the new players? And how do, do you go about that too? Because there has to be a tone uh, that, that from Cheryl on down gets set on a yearly basis, how, how do you go about getting getting across what that tone should be to the, the players who are coming in here new, Lindsay? Yeah, it's just like the day-to-day mentality, the day-to-day, um, you know, process that we, that we try to go through and, and try to do. Um, you know, I think it's just uh, setting the tone, and it's in practice. So it's like, you know, going game speed no matter what drill it is, um, being a good being a good teammate first, and just uh, – just kind of that standard that we've set here is how we try to go about things every day. And so just that day-to-day, um, right from the start of practice, you're excited to be here, you're happy, you might be sore or tired, but, you know, this is our, our couple hours to be together and really work hard and um, and just enjoy it, enjoy the times that we have together. So that's probably um, the main thing. And then just attention to detail, too, attention to detail, making sure that our, our sets are run crisply and, and that we're, we're you know, not – you know, leaving anything to chance that we're working hard and, and making sure that we're giving ourselves the best possible chance to be successful every day. So if things don't go, go well or if a practice is not crisp, does Cheryl mm-hmm. have to say something or are you guys to the point now where where you speak up or if a veteran player speaks up and, and Cheryl almost can leave that to you guys? Uh, both, but sometimes, you know, you know, the head coach, sometimes she's got to, you know, if it's not up to her standards, she'll let us know. And then it's our job to come back the next day and make sure it's better. And so, I mean, you can always feel when a practice isn't, isn't good. It isn't up to, you know, par, but um, sometimes we will, but you know, a lot of times we all kind of know. So, but a lot, you know, a lot of times we'll take her lead and, and she'll let us know that, you know, this isn't um, the type of practice we need, or this isn't, um, you know, up to our standards. So um, basically (laughs) for tomorrow and, it usually works out. We usually have a great day the next day. So hopefully we don't have too many of those. Hopefully we're just ready for it right from the get-go and uh, and just um, having crisp practices, which we did yesterday. So now we just have to build on and get ready for day two. Lindsey Whalen uh, is, uh, is opening up with the Lynx 
for 15th training camp. Link's going for uh, another championship. Clearly the best team in town and the model for winning in this town. Even if there's a huge gap between the Lynx and all the other teams, they, they have a lot to, to learn. Um, I think this is this is such an interesting point in your career because you're starting this Gophers job and you're still uh, the point guard for the best women's basketball team in the world. I want to know... As you start thinking more and more as a coach now, too, how do you personally like to be coached? And how do you think you're going to lead once you officially sit in that seat and start running practices and really, you know, getting into how do you like to be coached and how do you think you're going to coach others? Um, I think just having just, you know, like for me to be coached, I want to have expectations every day and I want to have goals and I want to at the end of the day say, okay, I was able to either accomplish this or not. And if I didn't work on it for the next day, and if I did feel really good about what we accomplished. So, um, I think I'll see, I'll feel that out for myself when I'm, um, getting into coaching and I, it's, I won't be able to say until I actually do it. It's one of those things where I'll know a lot more. probably after this first year, I think it'll be a big, a lot of learning, which is great. And I have this whole summer to really learn from, from Cheryl and our other coaches, but, it'll be something where I'll, I'll learn a lot and I'll just try to be a sponge as much as possible this year. Um, and then, but for me as a player, you just want to, um, you know, coaches give you confidence and they give you freedom to go out there and play your game. And so, um, they give you the direction, they give you the vision and then it's up to you to go out there and make it happen. So, um, that's something that we've done that Cheryl's done so good for us. So, uh, I think just, you know, a coach, someone who's there for you on and off the court and just, always giving you, making you feel like you're, you're working hard and you're doing the best possible job you can do. So that's one thing I'll, I'll really try to instill in our players as well. Do you think it's possible to teach leadership or are you going to have to identify players who already have some sort of leadership gene inside them? A little bit of both. I mean, you know, when I came on campus at the university of Minnesota as a freshman, I wouldn't say I was a leader. I mean, I've, I've had to really, I, you know, I had it in me, but I had to, I had to learn how to do things. I had to learn how to public speak, and I had to learn how to be able to just call plays and recognize certain situations. You're always learning, and so there's definitely something, you know, inherently in people that makes them leaders, but I think a lot of it is is learned as well. So that's a really cool thing that you can learn and grow, and I'm still doing those things 15 years into the WNBA, and so I think it's something where it's it's just – a person by person person basis and you know everybody can lead everybody leads in their own way whether it's um you know standing in front and talking or leading by example or just being a good teammate doing you know good things little little hints here and there for your teammates behind the scenes so there's so many things you can be doing to be a leader and and sometimes it's just you know coming in with energy every day having a good attitude and being ready for practice that's the way to lead so there's so many different ways that you can you know go about be a good lead, being a good leader and I think it's something that you, you learn as you grow and as you get older and mature how to really lead and, and how to make sure you're um, getting your team to be in the best possible situation. As a sports fan in this town, tell me this. now Because you, you're on a highly successful team, but you, you grew up watching all, all the teams. When you see the Twins struggling right now and the Wolves just got bounced in the first round and the Wild got bounced uh, again in the first round, Knowing what you know about how pro sports work and and being around a successful team, how frustrating does it get to be for you to t- at times to watch these teams that that you like 
and and to probably clearly see them not doing things that that you, you or your t- teammates would do because it's got to drive you nuts at times that we have so many teams in this town that don't be that don't seem to be able to take that next step. Well, hopefully it's building on the future. And I'm not going to lie, Judd, I didn't watch one minute of any of the playoffs this year because it fell in the two weeks after I got this job. So um, I wasn't able to uh, see what happened, honestly. I, I just tried to keep up with the scores. Um, but I was otherwise busy and kind of um, occupied with, with this job. But, I mean, hopefully it's something to build for the future. I'm always trying to look at the positives and trying to look at what we can do as you know, different franchises can do to continue to be successful and um, the, you know, the Wild got off to kind of a tough start this year, but they still made the playoffs. And you know, unfortunately, they didn't make it past the first round. And the Timberwolves made the playoffs for the first time, first time in 14 years. So, yep, build off of that. So it's just all about building and all about when we started this in 2010, we were well under 500 and didn't make the playoffs. So we had to go through adversity, and we didn't, we weren't just instantly a good team. And so hopefully now with this Timberwolves team having tasted that that playoffs and what that's like going against a team like Houston. It's going to be, I think, beneficial for them in the future, and hopefully they can just build off it and, and continue and then hopefully make some some serious runs deep into the playoffs both teams. Uh, last thing for you here, and I know you were busy yesterday, so you probably didn't watch Game 7 Cyborg LeBron, but I think the biggest compliment at this point, when he's 33 years old, he's played all 82 games and led the NBA in minutes. Like The biggest compliment I can give to LeBron James is that he just averaged in a seven-game series uh, 34 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists on 55% from the field. And we look at that as kind of like, oh, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, like we're not even really impressed by that anymore. It's ridiculous. I know, and he's in year 15 too. So it's just crazy what he's been able to do now with, uh, you know, a lot of new faces on on the roster and to still make, again, the second round of the semifinals, it's, um, it's impressive. And I didn't see much of the game, but I, I saw – the stat line and what he was able to do. And it's just, like you said, very impressive. And um, you just got to, I mean, he just takes such good care of his body. He's constantly working out. He played every minute yesterday. And so it's just, I mean, there's not really much you can say other than he's uh, clearly a top probably two or three player ever to play the game. So players like that, that's just, that's what happens. That's what they they can do because they just have something that's a little different and, and a little bit more special than, uh, than a lot of other players. He switched to light beer before the season, too, just so you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, uh, Ron, he gets on that um, Versa Climber, which I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but he's always supposed oh, to Oh, Judd does that all oh, the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay, I'm on the Versa <laughs> Climber every morning, didn't you know that, 5 a.m.? It's basically Stairmaster times 10, and it's just, like, an amazing workout. And so if you can do that, for the, I'm sure he does it for, like, an hour or something like that. If you can do that, you can play 48 minutes in a game, so... It's not shocking that what he was able to do yesterday. Judd rode an escalator for an hour one time. Yeah, it was, up it, was tough work, it was tough work, too. I, I broke a sweat, Lindsay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you got your heart rate up. That's good. Got <laughs> Thanks a lot. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. Bye, Lindsay. See ya. Thanks, guys. All right, Lindsay Whalen. Uh, what was yeah, it? The Bursa Climber? Um, you know how quick I'd be dead? Can't say that I've tried that before. But, I mean, this the, Le- LeBron James... Yesterday, and this is where we were going to go to the Twins game, and then realize, oh, Game Seven starts at noon, and the Twins are like the Twins need to earn fans back at this point. Like, what are you doing? That was a good skip by you. Um, He that dude goes for he played, he was on pace to play forty eight, and then had 
I think at the end of the third quarter had a little bit of a leg cramp, so they took him out with a minute to go. Yep. But then the bench widened the gap, so he sat he sat for like four minutes. Dude plays like forty four minutes. Four minutes. It was something like that. Um, and he goes for what forty six points and a bunch of rebounds and assists. And we look at that not as holy crap, forty six points in a game seven, which is two off the all time NBA highest point total in a game seven. We just kind of shrug and say, huh. That's LeBron's yeah. normal night. We're in not a big surprised. game, right? Yeah. All right. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. We also have at 10 o'clock David Thorpe, who has been in NBA circles and basketball circles for a number of years and probably two or three decades. And he's a regular fixture on Doogie's Scoop podcast. And he had some really, really interesting, critical things to say about the Wolves and Tom Thibodeau that we can get into in the 10 o'clock hour. 651 646 8255. Mackie and Judd. Please listen carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue. Let's go, people. Let's get it going. On 1500 ESPN. Get prepared for the upcoming 71st annual Minnesota Governor's Fishing Opener. Join 1500 ESPN at Tracker Boating Center this Saturday. Chris Reavers will be at the Shakopee location from 9 to 11. And Jess Myers at the Forest Lake location from 1 to 3. Hang with the boys. Check out the amazing selection of Tracker Boats and sign up to win a $100 Bagley Bates prize pack. Details all at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Boy, this is a glorious day, gentlemen. It's worlds colliding. It's a day where the 2019 mock drafts all start to bubble to the surface. Oh, 2018 is done, but but you can still talk about it. In 2019, you can project it. It's beautiful. And also, the subtext in the 2019 mock drafts, where your team is drafting, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of, you yes. get the, what, you know, it's kind of a dual purpose. It's who are you going to take, but also how's your season projected to go according to the mocker? That's a tough spot for a mocker to be in because I feel like mockers are meant more to just tell you who's drafting who and who the players are. Not as much to evaluate like the actual true professional well, players on the field. And, and there are there are mockers who just give you where players go but don't give you teams, right? Then there's some that go out on a limb and give you the teams. But how can you tell me where the players are going to go? That's a but that's just a big board then, right? Yes. If you don't attach the players to the teams, now you're just creating well, a big board for can. 2019. Well, you know all teams, they don't draft for need though. It's always best player. So then in in which case it should yeah. just be a big board. It's always a big board. Yeah. It's amazing how that works. It's a good point. And the big board always has nine quarterbacks <laughs> yes. in the first round. Exactly. Crazy. Well, Let's uh, let's bounce through some of these. We'll see where the Vikings fall, according to WalterFootball.com. Yeah, Wally. Wally never re- does he ever take a break? No, no stopping Wally Footbally. And Charlie Campbell is the senior draft analyst who graces us with this projection. Three hundred sixty-four days right? out. No, that's Chris nope. Ransom. DraftUtopia.com. Oh, the you. Utopia of sports. <laughs> thank you. I'm sorry. I got my Panera guys messed up. <laughs> I already, I already checked Draft Utopia. Not up to date on 2019. Wow. He's waiting on that before he gets the full He's working the breakfast shift. Up. That's <laughs> yes, the problem. Exactly. He's serving up uh, coffee and bagels and stuff. Uh, Charlie Campbell is more of an Einstein's bagels guy. <laughs> all right? And he has number one overall to apparently the woeful Buffalo Bills. Let's see here. Defensive tackle from Michigan, Rashawn Gary, going number one overall next year. 
Let's just give you give you a little flavor here. The top five Colts, another terrible year. Which does that mean? Andrew Luck isn't playing. I don't know what this means. Uh, they're going to take a defensive tackle named Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa's brother, going three overall to the Jets. Texans drafting fourth, take a tackle from Washington. No quarterback so far. No quarterback seven. Here's the first quarterback, according to WalterFootball.com. The Giants taking Justin, is it Bear H-E-R-B-E-R-T from Oregon. Sounds Justin Bear whatever. Justin Herbert going to the Giants. Okay. Let's right. skip ahead to the Vikings here, according to WalterFootball.com, which is now freezing up on my screen because they have so many graphics and text. But number 18 overall. 18? Which means non-playoffs for the Vikings. This would be like an 8-8 eight eight season for the Vikings. Ooh. And apparently the defense needs work still because the Vikings will take defensive end from Mississippi State, Montez Sweat. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Or sweet. S-W-E-A-T. I like sweat That's more. Sweat. Six foot like six, two forty one. Had an excellent two thousand seventeen season. Was a dynamic defender for the Bulldogs. Totaled forty eight tackles, fifteen and a half for a loss, and ten and a half sacks. It was his first year of playing time, so he has upside to develop. Where did you say he's coming from? Mississippi State. Mississippi to Minnesota. Ooh, he's going to be a cold sweat. I want to mock. mock. I want to. Wow. Hope he doesn't get hurt. Wouldn't want to break a sweat. I want to mock. Mock! I want to mock. Mock! <laughs> want more? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> a year of this? You know how he runs so no, fast? No, no. How's that, Dave? It's no. not the shoes. It's the sweat socks. I want to mock. Mock! No. <laughs> So many things the, you could say no for about. For the other 31 teams, that means this draft is no sweat. I'm not even going to hit the button anymore. I'll do it. I don't care. <laughs> not even going to hit the button anymore. I want to mock. Mock! <laughs> you know, Judd. Okay, screw it. You know how most what players show up to the draft in a suit and tie? Yeah. You know, maybe a quadruple wins or not. Mm-hmm. Not Montez. More of a sweats guy. I want to mock. Mock! Oh, I feel like we should just leave this in Dave's domain. Only problem is he's not one of those attention to detail guys. Doesn't like to sweat the small stuff. I want to. <laughs> oh, it's been a good run, you guys. It's been a lot of fun. It really has. Oh, there's more 2019 mocks. Apparently, McShay has one coming out today if it hasn't already. They were chiding him on yeah, the morning show Yeah, he'll have one coming out today. And hasn't he said that it's like, he's on the record saying, it's the worst thing I do at ESPN. Yes, like, I just spent the it. whole year evaluating this one, and they just, they want me to come out. He's like ripping his bosses. They want me to come out on Monday after I haven't slept all weekend. This is the Leidner mock from him, right? About three yep. years back? Yeah, that's right. Yep. This yep. is the Mitch Leidner first-round quarterback to yes. Dallas. <laughs> that's right. This is where McShay <laughs> made his name in this town. So if you're wondering whether he mails in his year-ahead mock draft, Mitch Leidner was on his radar as a first-round pick a couple years ago. My favorite new thing about the NFL draft coverage on ESPN, day three, after they've none of them have slept, from Lewis Riddick to Mel Kuyper to Todd McShay, mm-hmm. and I, but on day three they dress it down. They go with the, it's still the sport coat, but they take the tie off. I saw all that. day long. No and tie. outside, 
outside. They're outside. They put the, the, the stage and the setup outside, but yes. we're going to roll up the sleeves, take the tie off, loosen it up, hey, talk about those six-round ca- picks. It's the casual fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh rounds. <laughs> it's it's more casual. Yeah. yeah, we have fun with this one. <laughs> this isn't as serious. Our binders are our binders are still used, but not quite as much as they were on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> and now Mel Kuyper not going to the bathroom is much less impressive since they break it up into three days. When it was all in, it was all in one day for a while, right? Like they would start at eleven a.m. or something, and then they go late into the night, and then it was that, Saturday, yes. That was more. That was fifteen years ago now, but that was more impressive when he just he'd go ten hours or whatever and mm-hmm. not take a bathroom break. Now does he not? Does he not drink liquid either? Because I don't know how that works. But I'd be curious what the. I'd be curious if he really didn't go, or if you that's think he's just lying uh, about that. Well, and now now outdoors, he's got the bushes. So I suspect that, you know, on Saturday, if he had to go, he's just like, I'll be behind these bushes. Just go drains in the bushes. Uh, Let's talk about, let's do a little Timberwolves fallout here when we come back. David Thorpe with some really interesting things on the Scoop podcast, critical of the Wolves and Tom Thibodeau later. Derek Wetmore apparently wants to put the twin season to rest. Rest in peace before May 1st, according to Wetmore, in about an hour and a half. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.